mum also wanted to thank you. Really? Yeah. She was like, just, I, just thank Jai for getting you to do this. I just love the podcast. I think it's amazing. I think you guys are fabulous. She like, listens all the time. Yeah. Well, my dad also listens a lot because oh, really? he um, travels, you know, he's always driving. And so he'll Hold be like, on. oh, and he's like, what's the difference between a geek and a nerd? No way. And I was like, oh, you've been listening <laughs> to her podcast. <laughs> Hi everyone and welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I'm joined as always by my co-host Alex Adams. Hi Jai, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good. How are you really? <laughs> Why would you bring that up? <laughs> Alex is not well today. I'm not so. feeling very well, my yeah. tummy's a bit sore, so if I need to race off halfway through the pod, <laughs> wow. you, you know why. Such a jerk. Ah, I couldn't help it. <laughs> and I was tossing in turn, I was like, mm, maybe. Uh, as you know, Alex, yeah, sorry. As you know, Alex, I am a, a collector of people. Mm-hmm. I find little fun-sized people and I put them in my pocket. Uh, and uh, living in Hong Kong, as I mentioned every episode, which somebody has to bring up, <laughs> uh, I met a young man named Eddie Froster, who not only runs his own film agency, but also was working with me at a large consultancy. And Eddie's a bit of a savant when it comes to film, motion, kind of everything about telling beautiful stories. Um, He's only 21 and has already done more than I've ever going to do, so I think that's pretty amazing. Um, and he's worked with some of kind of the biggest brands in the world, and, and you know already he can say that, you know he's worked with North Face, Spider, Standard Charter, Standard Chartered, sorry, uh, Hollister, Scott, and Zeal Optics, and a lot more. But uh, welcome, Eddie. Welcome, Eddie. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much, Alex and Joe. A Fun fact, Alex brought me my first microphone to get started in, in the podcasting world. No, Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> what did I just say? <laughs> Alex. Oh my God, it's been such a long day. I did not. I did not, well, but Eddie did. Eddie did. I did. <laughs> Sorry, Eddie. I remember that. Yeah, that was what, a few years back. Oh, oh, a year and a, a year, bit? A year and a bit, I think. Yeah, just, just before up. I left Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that first road microphone. Yep, the NT1. Pushed you to pursue a podcasting it did. passion. It did. Why, was he just talking about it a lot? Yeah, he just then? wanted to do it every night. I would come home <laughs> and he'd be blasting a podcast, something about film mm. or something relevant. And it'd be really interesting, but he kept on talking, saying that he wanted to start something. And now here you are and you're quite successful no, at I'm it. So. This, this podcast... Podcast. Oh, no. This is not, not going to go well. <laughs> Podcast emperor. But um, now it sounds weird saying it out loud. So let's get to, straight to the topic. Um, filmmaking. I think. I think for me, film is something that um, we wanted to have the right kind of guest to start talking about because I think Alex and I work with so much video generally that mm-hmm. film and filmmaking and kind of that idea of storytelling. Was, was always kind of around the corner of what we were talking about, but I don't think we ever jumped into it because I think it be, could become very benign very quickly. It's like, oh, yeah, you, you know, you write a storyboard, then you write a script or vice versa, and then it comes out. But mm-hmm. why don't you start by telling us kind of your venture into filmmaking and how you started. Um, sounds like you're about six years old when you started. <laughs> um, and, and, and kind of talk us through kind of what inspired you. Yeah, so I, um, I left Hong Kong at the age of 12 and went to boarding school 
uh, here in Sydney. I went to Shaw. Um, and I didn't really have an interest into filmmaking until I started, well, I got given the opportunity to film GPS rugby. And that was really what kickstarted my career or my passion. Mm. Um, did, had you had any interest in filmmaking before that? I mean, did I you did, watch movies? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was obsessed with movies and I guess at a young age I was invested into filming my friend's skateboard and that's all we would do every weekend. So I'd have my iPhone out or whatever little handy cam I had on me um, filming my mates in Hong Kong. Yep. So I did have an interest. I was always a sort of creative kid, I would say. Yeah. Um, hated academics and just wanted to go out and explore. Um but yeah, and then when I started at Shaw, I just started filming rugby every weekend. Rugby really? and football, started filming Because they're a big sports. rugby school, right? Huge. Yeah. And there's just so much opportunity. And you get to Saturday and there's a thousand people there watching a game. <laughs> Something really? I've never seen ever before. Was it just you filming it? or? Yeah, that'd be me. I started filming and then I got approached by this company called Skeed Vision. And they take care of all GPS filming for all the games and yep. all the teams. Um, so then I started getting paid a little bit of money it was great so every saturday i was out for six hours filming rugby on the sidelines long day but as sort of mundane as it sounds just sitting there filming people running up and down a field it really like kick-started well, i guess it kind of gives passion. you the basics of yeah here's a structure how do you make it interesting because yeah rugby could even be one of those things where it's the same story told a hundred different ways mm-hmm. where you could kind of get a lot deeper into it yeah and it was a nice beginning because i guess the similarities I found between filming rugby and something as skiing, which I would do every winter, um, filming any fast-paced action sports was what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so filming rugby, I jumped straight into skiing. Every winter, I'd be in interior British Columbia at Sun Peaks, um, filming my mates in the park, mm-hmm. um, and then bought my first camera, went back to filming rugby, jumping between rugby and skiing, and yep. then graduated and said, hey, I want to go to film school. I want to pursue this as a career. Amazing. Wow. What, what do you think was it that kind of made it so so important to you? Like, what, what's what's it for you? I think um, any creative sort of finds that one medium that they just become fixated with, this one area where they could just dive so deeply into and tell a story, get a narrative going, whether it be through art, mm. uh, drawing, painting. Mine was visual storytelling. Mine was, okay, a moving picture. How do I create a story? How do I make people think about this? How to I express my vision, Mm -hmm. communicate that to someone. And the beauty about it is there's so many different responses that people get. It's so subjective. No one will ever understand my true perspective or my reasoning for creating the visuals. Mm. Everyone interprets it differently. And that was sort of the coolest thing that I found. I was like, okay, that's just the one thing that I want to do. I just want to create this talk and have a, a product that people could think about and reflect on and just get people discussing about what I've created and, you know, just general conversation starters and provoking thoughts. Yeah. Something as simple as that. Awesome. And so you mentioned that you then went to film school. Where where did you go to school and did you how did you apply for that? Did they was it like you here's your UAI you did really well or do you have to submit a body of work or what is that like? Yeah, so that was a, a long process actually. I um when I graduated from Shaw, I applied with my HSC body of work to Afters Australian Film School. Yeah. Um, and I got accepted into there. I was like, all right, this is it. I'm going yeah. to Afters. Um, but right after I finished my exams, I went to Canada and I shot a short film there with one of my friends. And it was just like the 
being in that one place, it just made me want to stay there for the rest of my life. Or really? That's how I thought. Where was that? In Vancouver? No, that was in uh, Sun Peaks. So it was about four and a half hour drive from Vancouver. Okay. Um, my family owned a property out there. Yeah. Um, and I was just there and I said, hey, I can't go back to Australia and film sports. Um, I want to be here. I want to be doing more. And there's so much room for exploration in Canada and I can, you know, dive into so many different genres. Yeah. What year was this? That was, I guess I finished 2015, so it would have been 2016. And what was the first movie? Uh, Frames. That oh, was, yeah. Yeah, that longer. It's like It was like a 30-minute film that I did. Um, yeah, so then I said I wanted to stay there, but I also had applied to university in the UK, which wow. I got accepted into. So I had three options. <laughs> <laughs> and Not a high achiever yeah, at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah I, well... Yeah, That's I amazing. I just didn't know what to do, and my heart said Canada, so... I just decided to stay and pursue my career there, I guess. I did take uh, two years off. I did have to make a deal with my parents saying that I'd have to go back and work. I couldn't just gallivant the world for two years almost. Yeah. <laughs> so then, yeah, I ended up in Hong Kong working as Jai and and then going back to Canada in the winter. Yeah. So me and Eddie used to fill our days playing darts and uh, that's what we quickly picked up since we got back. Yes. <laughs> Which is our, our excuse for alcoholism, I think, at the moment. So I, I agree. Darts and beers. Yeah, darts and beers. Yeah. And as soon as you came back to Sydney this time, that's what we ran out and did. I don't um, even know where you could play darts in Sydney. Oh, oh we've no. found many good <laughs> Oh, really? We're now locals. Um, <laughs> I'm not play great darts? at darts. But no one's great at darts okay. except Eddie and me, maybe, but... Okay. You can Just be cu- because I'm curious to know where you yeah. can play darts in Sydney, I will come. Okay. Excellent. Yes. Deal done. <laughs> um, so, to- so when you approach, so first of all, let me talk about your work. So your your work to me, ever since I saw even some of your shorter stuff, it's always been there's been a really big level of realism to it. I think it's uh, and this is my this is my amateur attempt to explain what you do. So for me, your work's got a very certain realism to it. It feels. It feels like the perfect home video is the way I've always thought about it. It's gritty, it's grainy, but the narrative is, is always c- very clear still. But everything you've always done, it feels like you, you, you're, you're very present and you're very there and you're in the moment. Um, what, talk us through, first of all, is that right? And I think for anyone who... What's, where's the best place to see your stuff at the moment, even if they want to look... Uh, right now it would be my... Website which is too deep media.com, but you said that a little bit slower. What was that? Uh, too deep media.com, so number two, number deep two deep media.com, yeah. yeah. Or, it, I guess, yeah, <laughs> 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 um, so, so check it out because I think, yeah, definitely frames night crawlers, which is an exceptional uh, uh, night film, which is just. You explain it, but anyway, I'll, I'll let you talk <laughs> through your work. But yeah, talk us through your kind of your biggest pieces of work and what they all mean to you. Yeah, so I think that was really spot on with what you said about my works and sort of relating them to that perfect home video. It's I like to be really present in my narrative, and you know, like realism is the biggest thing. I like to make goals that people can watch, and well, in my in my films, I have goals that are attainable. Mm-hmm. So especially when I applied that to skiing, it's we didn't have the budget to go out heli skiing. We didn't have the budget to ski these Alaskan faces. I mean, we were just out back in a local resort mm. and went out snowmobiling and finding these beautiful places in the most, in the most like vast and remote areas. But at the end of the day, that, that was something that anyone could achieve. Um, the average skier could go out and do that. And sort of my m- biggest message was, okay, how do I focus 
on a personal story, frames for example, it was me coming from Hong Kong, me mm. being born and raised in this world metropolis, this claustrophobic technological hub, and then me transitioning into interior British Columbia, just mountain ranges, yeah. endless and endless mountain ranges. So it's, how was my perspective reflected in that? It's going from the city to this vast remote area, how I felt, how relaxing it was, and mm. the, sort of the whole premise was how I felt more at home, felt more in wow. touch with myself. My thoughts weren't, weren't convoluted. I was more clear. Um, and then applying sort of my conventions or filmmaking process to that, it was a nice, relaxed, easy, concise message. Mm. Um, something that is so simple to follow, that very simple structure. Um, and that's sort of what I wanted to achieve. And I sort of applied that process to all of my films, Nightcrawlers in particular, same exact process. It's shooting in areas that anyone can access. It's not these hyper-realistic, insane mountain ranges. It's the backcountry. People yeah. can go there and do this. And the whole message about Nightcrawlers, which I found the most unique, is in an age like skiing, you get to a mature point in your life where you can no longer physically endure skiing. Like, you, can't, you just can't do it. You get to a point where you have to retire. And for people that dedicate their entire lives to a sport, mm. it's one of the most challenging things to face. Yeah. That point in your life where you have to realize that you can't, know, you can't pursue this anymore. You have to come to a stop and call it quits. And a lot of people suffer from that, and we wanted to um, focus on that message and talk about, well, at the end of the day, there's memories that reminisce in all of those experiences that you have that you can look back on and reflect throughout the rest of your life. You don't have to be skiing there. You don't have to be skiing anymore. But the memories that you have, those give you a sense of fulfillment. And so we focus on the narrative of John, a uh, retired skier, and he enters a stream sequence where we see it's his former self um, skied by Kieran Nakua, one of my best mates. Um, and it was this whole sort of dream sequence about him skiing in his youth, sharing those experiences with other people, and then him waking up, returning to the ordinary world, and understanding that those, experience, those experiences that he had and that visualization that he had through his dream just gave him the reminder that that was a perfect life he had. Mm. Now that he can't pursue skiing anymore, that doesn't mean everything's over. It's, yeah. not, it's not the end of everything. Um, so, like, simple messages just conveyed in a really simple manner. Um, that was sort of my approach to all those films, and I think it played off well. It was easy to follow and yeah. perfect for the demographic that we had. That's amazing. I, I think it's, it's, it's so relevant. I think, I think everything that you know, we kind of hear at the moment is that people are living in this whole world of either, you know, it's either FOMO or it's regretting something, thinking one phase is over or thinking one phase is, is never going to be over. And it is that idea, you know, certainly coming up through kind of the advertising world of how do you get people back in touch with being okay with everything, being okay with change and being okay with things not changing. Um, so, yeah, it is amazing kind of how topical that is through a totally different lens, mm -hmm. you know. No, it's really interesting. And it's also a very deep, very mature thought. Almost too deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. It's a deep, mature thought to then be able to present in such a creative way. Yeah. That's it would be beyond your years, I, I imagine. Like <laughs> I, how do you know so much? <laughs> how are you so wise? Why aren't you telling us? Yes. <laughs> so, so I guess that brings me to the, the next point. It's from, from your point of view, why is film, and I mean, let's, let's talk about the medium here. So when I'm talking about film, 
I'm talking about first of all the visual sense. Why is video becoming so important to us? And then secondly, from a from a choice of your narrative and a choice of what you want to present, why are you going back to physical film and away from digital? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think film just has such a prominent place and value in this world. It reflects societal issues and it does it so well and it what well, there's just such a large audience that people can convey their thoughts and views to mm. millions and millions of people worldwide and it's such a universal tool um i think it's it's so important and coming from like my personal experience with it is you can make people feel you can provoke emotion yeah you can change people's lives essentially it might be too much but I mean, it's in, it's inspiring, and when you watch a film and you watch a really nice film and you're so invested into the narrative, it sort of removes you from your contextual setting and puts yeah. you into the film, which mm-hmm. is such an incredible thing to feel. You're so invested into the story that you become a part of it. It could almost take you away for a while. Yeah, and it's just this perfect form of escapism, mm-hmm. and that's what everyone sort of seeks in their life, just this brief moment in their day where they can just remove everything, mute everything around them, and just focus on someone else's story. Yeah. Um, and that's the coolest thing. You can take yourself out of your environment, pretend that you're someone else, pretend that you're this fictional character. And that's how sort of idols and role models are created. And especially for the youth, that's so valuable because it's these fictional characters that people look up to. Um, and that's one of the coolest things, how it can just it can change you completely. Um, and then in terms of us shooting on film now. Yeah, um, yeah can you explain that to, to everyone? So yeah. most of what's filmed these days is digital, yeah. but you're not shooting on digital. Yeah. Um, what are you, you're using old so we school? Sh- yeah, shoot on 16mm and 35mm okay. film. Um, Why? Uh, it's just Kodak were recently revived. Um, they came back and there was this huge sort of social trend that was happening online okay. where people started using film again, promoting Kodak, promoting the use of film. And I sort of saw it and everyone in a company saw it. And we just found that opportunity. It's okay with modern technological conventions and how easy it is to edit film when you get it transcoded and you get it digitally uploaded, you have a same or a similar quality as digital but you can combine that traditional convention of filmmaking with modern technologies, VFX, editing, mm. and you can create such a unique composition which has just conventions of the past and present merged together. Yeah. And when you see it, and it's not too noticeable for audience yeah. members. Like, I was going to say, as yeah. uh, to the untrained eye, I mean, what would, I, would it be something that I would notice that is different? If anything, I, mean, I would think the quality would be grainier almost. Yeah, and that's, that's the as good as aesthetic digital. look, I guess. Oh. I mean, you, a lot of people struggle to differentiate between the two because a lot of people just apply grain to a digital composition and try to replicate the vintage look right but from a creative uh director of photography or director analyzing other influencers works it's it's so distinguished and Mm. it's just trending so heavily right now and i think it's just easily as applicable to every other fashion trend that's reoccurred it's just something that was seen to be outdated that was revived and pushed for so heavily. Mm. And this was by creatives, not even people that were pushing fashion or everyone else. So mm. sort of a train that we sort of hopped on quite quick, I guess. I mean, a lot of people are doing it now, but it's definitely 
where we, what we want to do and how we want to differentiate ourselves from everyone in such a heavily saturated market in Vancouver. Mm. So that was, yeah, sort of our main intention. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. Alex, good question for you. What, what do you think the, the role of film in particular will be for kind of like what you and I do? Like, as I said, mm. like the videos that we end up doing, are, you know, hey. Yeah. Well, that's it. Here's an event. Yeah, yeah, my videos are very different. So, you know, at all of our, uh, we do secret pop-up dinners and dining experiences and I always have a videographer who comes and captures the experience and it is so different yeah. to what you're <laughs> producing. Um, but I would argue, you know, my videographer is telling a story. Yeah. So I want him to be able to capture the food um, from the moment the guests arrive, they sit down, the styling, the florals, each dish at comes out you know the steam coming off the hot food and the chinking of the glasses and the shaking of the cocktails and all of that and they compile it together and I want people to go "Ooh, that looked amazing yeah. I wish I was there and with the purpose of uh, I ultimately selling more events people coming mm-hmm. to my events ultimately yeah. right yeah. so I guess mine are what you'd call maybe pretty flower budget um, videos <laughs> and yours would be uh, I, I would have looked at yours and it was quite alternative quite alternative filmmaking really and Mm. um, mine's extreme mainstream Mm. so we're kind of at the opposite ends of the spectrum um but i guess what you said in the middle there in terms of like just creating that story and getting people yeah so you can create a story in mainstream and alternative yeah but i think your audience is different uh, and your clients are different Mm -hmm. really so i mean something like your stuff would never really work for mine but then um, you know, someone like Reebok or North Face would <laughs> wouldn't use my videographer necessarily. Yeah, they would want something that is a little bit more art house and alternative. And what about from like a? Because I think the thing they've both got in common though is that idea around is around and that idea around narrative. And I think a lot of people say that a lot of the time. Mm. Certainly in kind of what I do, it's it's always about it, and I'm always kind of pushing them and kind of prodding them to see well, what, what is narrative to them and, and how do you construct one? And do you have any advice for anyone who's kind of looking at, okay, I know I've been told I need a good narrative over and over again, but what, what really goes into one? I think sort of the biggest struggle that people face is complexity. Mm. Um, everyone wants to create the most complex narrative, the hardest to follow along, a sort of plot twister that yeah. just messes <laughs> with the audience and makes them think so differently. And so there's so many unexpected turns of events that happen in the film. But at the end of the day, it's like you can't do that without uh, a simple structure. Mm. By following a film structure, you have what equilibrium, something happens, you have a change, a shift in equilibrium, then you have a period of restoration, right? and equilibrium is finally restored. So huh. that's like a, it's a basic process of narrative. <laughs> and that's like sort of the universal filmmaking narrative that right. follows Todorov's theory, I believe. Um, and then people do that in non-linear fashions, right? You start off Uh, in the middle, you start off, um, where the protagonist loses their sense of belonging. Um, and then they go back, find it and you don't get, you get an insight into equilibrium through flashback. Right. And that's something that's very common application, but at the end of the day, simplicity, man, it's, it's the biggest thing to do and not many people want to do it because it comes across as mundane boring and just not very enticing to watch or to be a part of but some of the most influential films that i find what are they oh yeah let's Uh, do it yeah what's what's influenced you oh i'm sort of like an old 
film buff. I'm probably going to forget. You're quite young, Eddie. Just no, as in like <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's a great uh, dad joke. You've made two today. dad jokes now, three times, and you're out. I don't know. I mean, like uh, Goodfellas, Casino, a lot of Robert De Niro films, The Godfather. Uh, I like pop cult classics, yeah. like uh, Point Break. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of the second Point Break? Oh, I thought it was horrible. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, uh, I'm going to forget every film that exists now. Just putting on the spot. But yeah, I have a lot of films. I don't like to think about films in sort of like a top five. Like, what is your favorite film? Yeah. I watch so many films and I have so many favorite directors. And I mean, I try to watch a film a day. Wow. I try to watch as much TV. I mean, I'll chew through a season and binge watch just so I can see how people express their stories differently. Um, but yeah, I'm I wish I could addicted. introduce you to uh, someone else we've had on the show previously. Maybe you should listen to her podcast, uh, Tamison Holliman, who found started Underground Cinema. Okay. And she's also a movie buff. So they do this thing called Underground Cinema in Sydney, Melbourne, where they they do an immersive experience where they recreate films mm-hmm. but as in like sort of live theatre productions where you can actually walk amongst characters from the films and sets and props and That's she awesome. also probably watches a movie a day yeah. but she's a you know she's a creative director so she kind of and you see it from the film side so oh, as a side note it'd be great yeah I'm connect you guys I'm just saying, as well. that would be really fun yeah i was just saying we uh tam from underground oh cinema and, know, right? and eddie would be such you know an interesting combo did we go through your favorite videos Movies? No, we didn't go to What are your favorite Oh, yeah. see, look, you put, you get it's put hard. on the spot. It's really hard. But I also <laughs> love Point Break. Um, <laughs> I also, well, I always like Fight Club. Um, and yeah. I really like um, Prince's Bride. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Yes, as you seen. wish. But I think a uh, con- little bit of a confession, one of my all-time <laughs> favorites, as much as I don't want to say, is Meet Joe Black. Oh. I thought that was an amazing what? film. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Everyone's like, what? That's it's a horrible. Awful. I know, but I don't You're know. You're in a safe place here. That's okay. It was like my child either. childhood movie. and uh, oh, just. Yeah. What's yours? Uh, look, favorite of all time, probably Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, yeah. yes. Guillermo <gasps> del Toro. Um, One with David Bowie. No, that's oh. that's Labyrinth. Oh, Pan's Labyrinth is a Spanish film by... Guillermo del Toro, who does a lot of creature design. Mm-hmm. Oh, it it's, had all the puppets. In yeah, it's a fairy so tale. I, think I have World seen that. And there's a war yes. going on, and she goes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Alien is an aliens classic. Uh, yep. Gladiator. Yeah, I remember we watched that last year. We did watch yeah. Gladiator last year because <laughs> we were talking about it. For yeah, ages. we were just like we have to. And then we um, it. Definitely like Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have to be right up there. Uh, Contact. I just think that's a beautiful film. Uh, more recently, definitely like um, a big sucker for like Interstellar, yeah, um, Inception, Nolan's works, amazing, yeah. I really liked a lot of like Lockstock and you oh know, yeah, those yeah, sorts of um, Guy Ritchie films. Yeah, Layer really Cake. Did you see that? One? Uh, yeah, yeah, with Daniel Craig. Craig. Yeah, that's amazing. a great one. Um, and that, that's another one where there's like some, you know, I won't spoil it for everyone, but there's a gimmick in it, and then once you know what the gimmick is, you can go and watch it again and. Um, but yeah, no. You, you know what I do, and actually, just as, as a free tip, is I keep a very detailed uh, IMDb list. So I've always, oh, got, yeah. I always know my top films. Like we go and rate films, yeah. Internet Movie Database. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> so much shade. So much today. No, <laughs> sorry. We're I'm not sorry. getting on today. I don't no, know. No, I love I don't you. Know, you're yelling at my jokes. I know. And... I wasn't yelling. 
Yeah, all right. Wow. <laughs> um, so, Eddie, is that where you think you want to head? Is it making longer feature films? Because at the moment you, you do sort of shorts and... Yeah. Um, commercial world is commercial. where I want to be in. Yeah. Um, like TVC commercial or the commercial world? Just the commercial world in general. I mean, I love doing short spots. Yeah. 30-second, uh, 60-second spots and even like the longer campaigns, three minutes, five minutes. Those... For me, it's applying a narrative structure into such a short length mm. or short period of time. It's so amazing. And I find that a lot of the commercials I watch, a lot of the touching ones, I think Volvo just did uh, a new series. And it's just, it's so incredible to watch. And these brands that are so present in everyday life, I think it's it's so cool that you could watch a commercial and think about that brand or think about that commercial and somehow relate the two every single day. Yeah. Whereas a feature film, I love films and I would love to be working on a feature film one day, but they get a lot of talk and a lot of discussion and they make you think for a long period of time. At the end of the day, they do get forgotten. But I like, I like things that are so relevant yeah. and just applicable to everyday life. And the commercial world for that, targeting a demographic mm. and just expressing my creative visual medium to an audience every single day and making them utilize that product or mm. whatever conventions being advertised every single day and thinking back to a commercial that that connection is just so mind-blowing for me and that's something that I want to pursue for the rest of my life yeah well you know in in the advertising world today like it is just a discussion on where as ubiquitous as it sounds like where is content going mm-hmm. and what is the role of brands within you know storytelling about everyday life what what role does your brand have to play you know? um in in terms of because when people go what's your favorite ad you know you'll get a few people who know a few print ads but for the majority of people it's recalling a tvc yeah uh like for mine in australia do you remember the big pond ad where it's about uh, i've been everywhere man no. that one <laughs> older than that i'm gonna really show some age here so it's a guy, uh, it's a, a dad driving his son around in a car and his son asks him, um, Dad, why did they build the Great Wall of oh, China? Yes, to keep the rabbits out. They've got too many rabbits too in, many in rabbits. China. <laughs> um, but like ad. that just insight around all parents are starting to be worried that they're not keeping in touch with their children's yeah. education and there's going to be a gap and you don't want to give the wrong answer and that ad just plays on that fear so well mm. that that was you know i was doing an article recently for umbrella ad news one of them and just taught being able to talk about that kind of made me think about what you're saying is there are ads that are cultural changes but because you have to create it so quickly and because it has to be on such a timely insight you're constantly prying on what people are thinking mm-hmm. about and i think that is where people are getting a bit distracted on where this brand of content discussion is going which is if you're going to do a video series, if you're, I don't know, um, what's, it, what's, it, what's a more tenuous link that I've seen lately? If you're Woolworths, then, you know, what is your role in the family? Yeah. Are you the recipe provider? Or is a recipe better coming from an individual? Like, And that is that why they hire the celebrity chefs to provide insight onto family occasions, etc. So 
it's definitely a, a space that's growing really quickly and mm-hmm. you know w- we're certainly really vested in it in terms of understanding where it'll go but I, I think it's a big question well, even like the lamb ad every Australia day oh yeah like, <laughs> that's always really controversial yeah and I think they do a great job of that one yeah it, it is it, it's mm. you know it creates that conversation like ads that make the news yeah in yeah. less than six, 60 seconds it's got a nation talking and everyone's you know they change the date and yeah and they got everyone thinking about yeah, it yeah it's, it's more than just lamb and yeah. every, I think everyone's <laughs> got to thinking each year what's this year's lamb yeah. going to be um, and you know now we're dealing with like three and six second spots mm-hmm. because of social uh, social media and, and and that for you know certainly our guys here is, is a whole different challenge <laughs> yeah like and it has cap, happens to do with how quickly you're scrolling through a phone where do you stop on so. yeah how do you get that especially millennials how do you get that attention I mean attention span is what 15 20 seconds oh that, yes. that is putting it very generously I oh even, yeah I mean I'm probably pretty slow I like to analyze things <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> or I just don't understand anything <laughs> in one or the other. Um, but yeah it's like everything's so fast-paced you have to get their attention right off the bat you have to grab them that that hook in that first image or that first yeah. opening word or sentence rather it's just it has to be spot on so it's so challenging so what what would you say to somebody who wants to do what you're doing now? Like, have you have you spoken to anyone? Anyone who's younger? Are there any people younger than you? Um, <laughs> uh, spoken to anyone who who wants to do as much as you've done? Maybe not as quickly, or maybe even people trying to get into the the area now. Like, what's your advice for them? Yeah, I get a lot of um, talk from actually a lot of kids here that um, were at GPS schools um, filming rugby, trying to follow the full step, uh, the same steps as I did, really? going to film school. Um, no people that have been asking me about sort of creative direction, uh, what they're doing in advertising and branding. It's, yeah. it's purely film. And I love helping out um, the younger kids that are so invested into art, uh, especially pursuing creative arts or visual arts in um, Australian high schools. Um, but yeah, I, I guess like the biggest thing I would focus on is keeping up to date with cultural trends. I mean, Things shift every single day. You can't maintain something for more than 24 hours. Yeah. It's, everything's moving at such a fast pace. Um, and that's sort of like the millennial thinking process is, if I saw something yesterday, it's outdated. I need to see something brand new today or else I'm not going to yeah. be yeah. intrigued or satisfied <laughs> with my living. That is, yeah, I, I like, that is a truly deep millennial <laughs> insight. But like it's, it. it's true. Yeah. It's like repetition no longer works. It's, everything has to be original. So I'd say like having that insight, like follow trends, follow culture. How does fashion impact people? Um, what, how do societal issues create more meaning and understanding about the world, who people are? And I think the, the biggest thing is having interpersonal skills or following how to communicate with another individual, not just through uh, technological applications. Yeah. I mean, most people think, okay, how am I going to get this individual to watch this through a screen? Um, what am I going to do? What medium? What format am I going to do? What ratio am I going to put on this video? How am I going to get people's attention? I think yeah. At the end of the day, it's like you want to be communicating a message as if we're here talking to the target audience. We're not using another medium as a platform to get their attention. Right. And do you, you think have that's lost a lot on millennials who are so oh, totally. transfixed to their phone? I mean, I am even, and I'm yeah. <coughs> Gen Y technically. Sorry, but I, I feel as though millennials are getting more and more forgetful just because they're taking in so much information yeah. that they're not able to attain a lot of it. Um, and that's what I find. Like I'll see so many different cool mm. commercials. I have to write them down. 
Otherwise, yeah. I will see so many things on social media. They'll forget what I've seen. I'm just so convoluted with thoughts and ideas. And I'm, at the end of the day, I'm just depleted. Yeah, I mean, that must be one of the downsides. Surely there's so many positives that we have access to so much information mm-hmm. and inspiration. But one of the negatives is, yeah, as you mentioned, just are we able to retain so much information? Are there any other negatives you think of, uh, that can come with that? I think um, with how much information there is available, um, one of the biggest misconceptions uh, is it's hard to find originality. Mm, I think yeah. What defines originality? Yeah. Originality is it comes from everything. No one has an original idea. Everything's derived from another idea that was developed and just combined with something else and reformatted, repurposed for a different person. Uh, so is there such thing as originality? There's originality everywhere. Um, I think people just need to find out what it is and not be afraid to utilize other people's conventions. It's how filmmakers work. Perfect example. Everyone's influenced by every person surrounding them. People take conventions, styles of filmmaking, lighting styles, for example. Director of photography will adopt lighting styles that some of his most influential artists have used mm-hmm. and apply those processes to what he did. And people say, oh, you've directly copied someone. It's like, well, I wouldn't say it's copying. it. I utilized my inspiration, repurposed it completely differently. Same convention. It's like that's still original. You're still repurposing another idea to make I wouldn't say a better idea, but a more different idea. Yeah. And it's just originality does exist, but at the end of the day, originality has to exist and you have to understand that nothing's original. Yeah. Everything is adopted and adapted from every other idea that's out there. Yeah, it's it's originality in an understanding that yeah. it's not, which is a weird thing to think about. Yeah. It's also like the uh, the scientist thing around you know, innovation and leaps in science are still built on the idea that yeah. We only know as much as we know because of other people. Mm. And we only can make things today because of other people. Yeah. And I think before we were chatting um, offline and you were talking about millennials because you tend to target towards millennials yeah. with your videos and you were saying that um, you know millennials are looking to push the boundaries and challenge the norms and, and look for that, you know, next, that next big thing. Um, do you think that's a millennial thing or do you think that's just a young person thing? <laughs> Because I, I feel like that was me and my friends at a certain age and probably my parents and their parents at a certain age. Well, it's like that thing where the older generation always says why the newer generation isn't any good. Yeah. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah, exactly. matter if it's the, you know, and, and they're talking specifically around post-war generations. Well, I never understood until now in my 30s looking back. Uh, in my 20s and I was like oh what are those people talking about I don't understand and now there is a generation younger than me who can articulate themselves and communicate and I'm think- and I feel like my parents almost yeah <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about that well, I mean I feel as though millennials get a very bad rap but Gen Y got a really bad rap 10 years ago uh, no I, I really don't see the difference I mean everyone's I don't either, picking really. on millennials and saying that millennials have so much to make up for it's like well not really <laughs> and that was like the perfect example that we showed you in that video is yeah. at the previous generation at that age they were doing the exact same thing reckless rebellious that's what teenagers do that's how they explore that's how they find themselves yeah by doing these naughty things and experimenting um and that's what those character defining attributes and experiences that people have so to say that millennials are maturing at a much later age i don't think that's necessarily true i think it's just like the pressure Mm. that Mm. the older generation is putting onto millennials i totally agree and especially 
the largest thing or point of discussion in workplaces is millennials not having a purpose, a sense of purpose in work. They have no career aspirations. And that's something that I'd argue against. It feels as though they're just pressured to know exactly what they want to do at such a young age. Mm. Yeah. That it actually takes some so much longer to find out what they want to do because they're being pressured to try things that they actually don't want to do, they just don't want to say or to understand. So they need to go out and explore. Mm, or yeah. maybe there's just a lot more options. Yeah. You know, the yeah. jobs, there are jobs today that went around 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 yeah. years ago. So there are more options to explore, which for will sure. take more time. Yeah. And, and good for you for having those that. opportunities. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, I think we couldn't end that on a better note. So thank you, Eddie. <laughs> no that worries. was incredible. Thank um, you so much for having me. I think, yeah, I've suddenly got a lot more to think about. <laughs> yeah, that was a really, uh, went on so many deeper tangents. Yeah. Than, um, than expected. <laughs> I felt like we could talk for, for ages. But for people who uh, who want to follow your work, so you're living in Vancouver at the moment, agency, and are you eventually going to come back or who knows? Look, if I get given the option to come <laughs> back in a year or so, I probably will. Eddie, um, I'll give you a job. It's fine. <laughs> he might be giving much. you a job. <laughs> yeah, probably. Let's be honest. <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. I'm open to opportunities. I still want to explore and see see where I can go with my work. And I don't know. There you go. And in the meantime, people can check out your website, um, number two deep dot com. Two deep media dot com. Yep. And then we'll be launching a uh, scrap creative website pretty shortly. So Amazing. I guess I'll send that over to you. And yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll share it with everyone. Yeah, yeah that'll be great. And thank you guys for listening. Uh, we record pretty much every week and we're always every looking. Week. Yeah, every always looking for interesting people. As you can see, it takes so many different twists and turns on Maker and Creator. One week we're talking to someone who works in fashion. Sometimes we're talking to people who, you know, creatives in, in film. So if you know someone or you yourself are interested in getting in touch with us, you can hit us up. Jai's at Double Star Co. And I'm Ms. Darlinghurst, MS Darlinghurst. And you can uh, listen to us on iTunes or Spotify. That's it from us this week. Till Sounds next week. good. Thank you. Thanks, Eddie. Thank, Thank you. Guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.